In the age of Spotify, local record stores are getting harder and harder to find. But you should check out Old Gold Vintage Vinyl Pop-Up Record Shop, which is located in the heart of Osborne Village at Urban Waves on 187 Osborne Street. Old Gold is providing Winnipeg with a vast selection of quality used vinyl, collectible and essential titles from rock, psychedelic, progressive, classic, hard and heavy metal, blues, folk, reggae, world grooves, soul, funk and R&B, jazz and special interest. You can follow the new shop on Instagram at Old Gold Vintage Vinyl 204 for new arrival updates and much more. When I started this podcast back in late 2012, I didn't really know what a podcast was. And things that are kind of common sense about the podcasting world, like RSS feeds and subscriptions and all that stuff, I really didn't know what it was. I didn't know how it worked. And I just liked with recording things with my friends and having conversations and interviews and talking about music. And all of the technical stuff kind of fell by the wayside because none of us really knew what we were doing. Once I sort of figured out what I actually was supposed to do and how podcasts were supposed to work, I eventually signed up with a podcast hosting company that helped me get my show onto iTunes, onto Spotify, onto all these platforms, and helped me do it properly. So that was great, but when I transferred all of my hundreds of episodes over, there was about 50 from 2013-2014 era that just didn't make it across. Uh, it was my fault. Uh, I made a mistake when I was copying the files, and that whole section got missed. So those those episodes are still available on the old Witch Police blog, which can be found at witchpolice.com. So they're still there, but they're not searchable on most podcast platforms. If you're using uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, you can't go through the archives under Witch Police Radio and find those episodes. You can't find them on Spotify. You can't find them in a lot of places. So I made a post on Facebook a few days ago listing those episodes, which I guess are considered lost episodes at this point, and asking listeners which ones they'd like to hear if I re-release some of them so they would end up on the official listings, on the official archives, and so people could hear them. Because of those 50 episodes, there's a lot of really good content that I would like to see brought back to the forefront. So, to provide some context, the older episodes of the show from that era were in a much different format than the current Witch Police Radio you're probably used to. For one thing, there were two hosts, sometimes three. So the show was hosted by me and by my friend John, who was one of the original three hosts of Witch Police. And while we did interview the guests, the guests were considered at that time to be more like guest hosts than interview subjects. And the format of the show was a conversation about music, where we talked to the guests about their own work, but we also had a theme word every week. And that theme word would dictate song choices that the host would make and the guests would make. And there's a gray area when it comes to releasing podcasts featuring recorded music that we don't have the rights to. And again, kind of going back to how I didn't know how podcasts work, I didn't know if releasing these episodes with songs by established artists whether they were independent or high-profile or whatever, to fit with the theme word each week was an okay thing to do legally, and so on. So, when reissuing these episodes, I'm cutting off the song choices. We talk about the songs, and you'll hear like five seconds and then a fade-out, but just to avoid any kind of hassle that may or may not arise from 
the questionable legality of using these tracks, uh, I figured it'd be best to just uh, truncate those. So, it's a conversation, not so much a one-on-one interview. Two hosts, one guest host, and a lot of conversation about themed song choices. And when I ask people which episode they'd like to hear, I get a lot of different responses, and I I really do hope that I'll get to re-release all of the choices that people had, if not all of the episodes from that era. But the one name that came up the most was Slattern. So this episode was recorded in July 2014, and it's me and John in conversation with Julia Rickman, who is a bassist, vocalist, keyboard player, who performs fairly irregularly now, but performed quite often at the time under the name Slattern. I still hold up her first demo as one of my favorite recordings by a local artist of any genre. And my old band, which John was also in, The Mouthboat, played a lot of shows in the late 2000s with Julia's bands. She was in a pretty wide range of bands over the years, probably most notably This Hisses, which put her to record on Transistor 66, did, I think, a fair amount of touring, and so on. But she had a lot of smaller bands, a lot of weirder bands, and Slattern seems like always the consistent throughout all those groups. Whether it was the Gorgon, whether it was Saturday Lasers, whether it was This Hisses, Slattern always seemed like the project she was doing in between those because it was a solo gig. So this is a really great conversation. Um, It's really insightful, despite the fact that we spend a good chunk of it talking about puppets. And as I said, Julia has always been one of my favorite local artists across kind of the spectrum of her projects. And I've always liked the solo Slattern stuff the best. So I hope that if you're not familiar with her work, listening to this old episode, which was episode 84 in the original number countdown listing thing, I hope this will introduce you to her stuff and make you want to seek it out and want to hear more of her work because it's really good and it's highly recommended. And I'm glad that of all the episodes that were lost and didn't make the cut when we transferred services, that this one is the one people wanted to hear because it's a good one. And Julia was definitely on the kind of wish list for both me and John as far as which artists we wanted to talk to once the show started getting guests. So Again, not in the current format. It might be a bit weird to hear if you're used to the uh, typical me interviewing someone style of Witch Police, but it's a great episode, and I'm really glad that there was so much feedback from listeners who want to hear some of these old episodes. I'm not going to release them every week. I'm going to do it fairly irregularly, but you will definitely end up hearing most of the ones on the list, if not all of them, eventually. I hope you enjoyed the show. You're listening to Garbage Hill, one of the first podcast network. Welcome to Witch Police Radio. This is episode number 84. I'm your regular host, Sam. This is your regular host, John. And I'm the special guest, Julia Rickman. Wow, wow that's great. We didn't even have to introduce you. 
sometimes sometimes the introductions uh, work. Sometimes they don't when we do it. I find that sometimes I I uh, I, I mean obviously I know what your name is, but when it's someone I haven't never met before, mm-hmm. I often second guess the pronunciation I have of their name. Mispronounced a guest's name toward the end of a show, which yeah. is not so good. Ooh, yeah. Well, what is like their last. I forget why. There's a, a good reason for it. I so, think you mispronounced it twice on one show with the same guy, two different ways, but it's okay. Moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to the show. Uh, we have a randomly generated theme word yeah, that we're going to select some songs based on. That okay. just kind of gives a loose framework for the show and keeps things moving. And the word that computer spat out us this week is sock. Not even socks. Oh, just it's not sock. even plural. Singular just sock. sock. Okay. So, you know, the way the show works is if um, whatever the theme word is, we all select songs that we connect to the theme in any way we can we can do it. So there's no okay. real rules other than as long as you can justify why this fits the word sock, then we're good. We're good. So. Right. Yeah, in an email to Julia, I had suggested some potential uh, associations. Oh, did you? I thought you could play, uh, someone could play the meat puppets because socks are often used to make puppets. Right. These are more like the John tangents. <laughs> that, uh, John is notorious for taking very uh, strange connections to the songs. But um, not so much lately. Oh, you could have one. There's like a sock drip coffee filter thing <laughs> that oh. some people use it's like it's like a filter but it's cloth and it's kind oh, of yeah, like yeah. a sock so you can reuse it okay. and so you could just go way off and play a song I was coffee. thinking about Christmas songs too because stockings yeah that was came oh, up a lot yeah. some of them actually refer to them as socks and older you know old timey kind of Christmas songs And but we should get to the what we thought of when we actually get into the songs so um, the reason that you're here is because you play music and Ooh. we like your music <laughs> and Excellent. I think that um like, for our old band, The Mouth Boat, I think that the majority of shows we played were with one of your projects. Those were the good the old days. Bill. Yeah, Those it was cool. There's was, was a lot of yeah. shows we played together. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, I think that, I don't know, I mean, Slattern, I guess, was the big one played. Or was it? Who did we play with the most? No, well... We played, a, you played with Dada Dada Lasers. Yeah, a yeah. lot. A, quite a it lot. Seemed like a lot, yeah. But I think Slattern, too. Slattern, too, the and two the Gorgon. That, that were most, yeah. yeah, and the Gorgon. Yeah. All three. All three. Yeah. I kind of just would just sort of randomly book shows with different bands depending on which bands I'd played with that month already. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it was great, too, because, like, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for the other guys. I'm sure they probably agree, though, like the other guys who are in the band, but I really like all of those bands. I mean, uh, I still think the Slatter and, like, the demo and then that, that record you put out, the split, like, the, I listen to them all the time. Oh, I really like it. You. So it's, it was always cool for us that we're playing a show, you know, at least one of the people on the bill with us is somebody that we use music <laughs> really into, so... Yeah, I regret never having a da 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 laser anything. I had both CDs. That's been recorded. What did you guys record anything? They put a couple albums. Two CDs. Yeah, they're good. Man. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I have. I can hook you up. Sweet. They're in my basement. Okay. (laughs) Some assembly required. Yeah. Awesome. And then uh, and then Slattern has the 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 demo, and then you have that that split. Yeah. uh, So far, it seems that Slattern reveals an album every five years. Okay. (laughs) In a small form. So I'm having an interesting experience right now. So I think the first album was maybe 2004 or 2005, probably 2005. The little mini CD? The little mini CD. And then I did the split 12-inch with Lipstick Face from Saskatoon, I think around 2010. Not Mm -hmm. sure. And then now it's 2014, and I'm trying to do this full-length album, but I recorded half of it. And now I'm having a very hard time tracking the engineer slash producer down because he's on the road all the time. Hmm. So I'm kind of like, is this my fate? Am I only supposed to (laughs) release half-length albums for the rest of my life every five years? That wouldn't be so bad, I guess. Half-length is a good length, I think. Um, Like, how many songs are we talking? Well, I already recorded four, but I would like to record another four. Okay. That's still a good amount, yeah. Two sides of an album? Yeah, yeah, that would probably... Not Probably one. Be good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be ridiculous if it was like a full album with just one side of music. Good, yeah. But I've heard some, ba- some bands, I actually 
did, I didn't purchase the album, but someone I knew purchased the album at a show in Winnipeg at Ragpickers, where the band only had one side, and then they like they screen printed the other side of the record. Oh, really? So the whole that's thing kind was of a cool idea. But they accidentally screen printed the wrong side, so there's actually no music on the album. <laughs> oh, wow. That's an terrible. unfortunate uh, mistake. Yeah, I think he contacted them, and they were so apologetic and mailed them. One oh, right just away. for the one copy they screen printed the wrong side? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. It wasn't like the whole run of it. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Room for error in yeah. handmade processes. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I think that uh, when we started doing this show, we started off. Uh, we didn't have guests for the first ten or so episodes. It was just me and John and Rob, our other host, Rob Crooks. Yeah. Who's not here today, unfortunately. But we, uh, when we started getting guests, we kind of had like this wish list of local people, and I think you were on the list from from the wow. beginning of like you know someone who whose music we like, and that's kind of the idea first. Like, who do we know? That we like their music, <laughs> we want to talk about music with them. So I mean, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, I think it's uh, about time we had you on. Now we're 80 some episodes in. So. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it took me so long. No, to it's make okay. It I here. don't know how long ago we asked you, but maybe not very re- until very recently. No, so. I feel like it might have been a while ago. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe not years ago, but right. Quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Well, you're here now, and we're talking about socks. Yeah, we, so we will be talking about socks. Yeah. I'm kind of curious what you might have picked um, for songs. Yeah. yeah. Do you have one you want yeah, to just start, uh, start um, us off with? Okay. Yes. I see you have a few things, so if you yeah, have a decision well, to make. Okay, so the only one that I came up with that I think is the most legitimately connected, because I think that I'm a bit of, um, you know, you guys are making this show with these rules that make sense <laughs> in this, this blanket tent studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, sock, what a ridiculous requirement. I'm just going to bring a song I like. And then, uh, and then I realized that a song I like has to do with laundry. That works and washing machines, and the specific lyrics are, and all your shirts and jeans and things. So socks and it's also about tracking mud into the house. So all, I think that like socks is the thing that is alluded to, but never spoken of. <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. I think laundry machine, like that's I mean, people who, who look at the pictures we post on our, we- our Facebook <laughs> and stuff, John's dryer is always in the background. Like it's a prominent oh. guest yeah. at every, <laughs> It every almost every seems like the star of all the photos because mm-hmm. like, it's, it's like one consistent, so. Mm-hmm. I also have a story about a sock. I could tell it now. Sure, yeah, let's do this. Okay, this is a news story. (laughs) This is talking about things that I would not only talk about, so it's like kind of a secret. I, as of last fall, had to start wearing very expensive compression tights. Okay. Ah, okay. For my ankles so that they don't get swollen. This is not glamorous, except that the tights are the best tights I've ever owned in my life. As a performer, I've always worn like gone through a small fortune of tights when I do my taxes at the end of the year it's always like two to three hundred dollars in tights wow. disposable tights because I wear them on stage and I wreck them instantly carrying gear right right so I was like whatever my legs were tingling all the time and it was almost like having like shocks flowing up my legs all day and I was like this is a little weird I should get that checked out so anyway I have, so I have to wear these tights and then I was like okay they're amazing so then uh, just like a month ago, I went to Iceland to shoot a music video for yeah, Slattern, yeah. and I was wearing these tights because they're amazing tights. And doing this scene, whereas the director was like, "Okay, walk on that uneven lava f- field covered in moss with your eyes closed. It'll look cool." So I was doing that, and I fell, and I ripped these tights, and I'm wearing them today. There's like a rip about. This long, which is about 12 inches, and these tights cost like $160 a pair. (laughs) Holy shit. So this is like, yeah, if you rip one of these, this is like your whole... $80 tight. $80 sock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I thought I was saving money. 
but maybe I'm not. But, but walking on lava rocks is, yeah. It seems like covered. it's worth it. Yeah. It was worth it, and it's covered by my health plan. Wow, that's awesome. So now my vanity products are covered by yeah, my yeah, health yeah. plan. So your oh, stage wow. costumes are covered by, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's the who is the song by? This is by Kate Bush. This is from her album Ariel. Uh, Kate Bush has been always someone I've listened to, but recently has become almost all I listen to. Okay. Like some days it is Kate Bush every day for weeks on end. Um, often this album. And I don't know, for some reason, each of, it's like a double CD thing and each one has a different name. So this is from the first CD, which is, is that to say A Sea of Honey? Yeah. Okay. And then the other CD is called A Sky of Honey. Oh, cool. But this is track number four and it's actually called Mrs. Bartolozzi. Mm-hmm. So I don't uh, know what the I mean I really like that it was awesome but I don't know what the lyrics have to do with the title do you know what the connection to this Mrs. Oh no Marco idea Lazzi in fact no. in fact I've never read the lyrics other than what I could understand yeah. from listening and that's something notorious about me I I almost never read lyrics hmm. and don't care other than what I can make up in my head so is better sometimes that's how they're written like uh, I think some some people start with like a sound. And yeah. then you find words that yeah, yeah, fit yeah. the sound, and so it isn't the words per se that are most important, but uh, but yeah, just what they sound like. I feel like I, I read lyrics if they're in the liner notes, because usually when I first get oh. an album, whatever format it's in, I sit down and listen to it while going through everything that comes with it, so mm -hmm. if there are lyrics, I usually read them then, but or if I forget something, and I'm like, what did he say there? And then I look it up. But, uh -huh. yeah. but yeah, so Kate Bush, I don't know if Sam mentioned this before during the song, but it came up, was played just once before on an episode. Episode 16. There you go. Now it's episode and, 84, um, so it was a while ago. And yeah, another artist that like I've never really listened to, and the person was also like raving about Huge fan, yeah. wow. Kate Bush, and so I was like, oh, I should really check this out, and I never got around to it. Mm -hmm. So I did. I really, I really liked it actually. I, mm. I, I, don't, I didn't. This album I didn't hear, but I kind of uh, just went online and downloaded like a partial discography, oh. and uh, I'm pretty sure I still have it. Some of it, I, some of it I listened to. Some of it I was like, I not into this. Maybe I give it another mm -hmm. shot, but. Yeah, it's good though, from what I've heard, which is not mm -hmm. as much as I should have, maybe because I did like what I heard. Mm -hmm. What did what did song did they play? Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember now. Was it one of like sort of the like eighties hits? Yeah, I would yeah. Just yeah. say something. Yeah, it was it was very like gloomy, which is up not. The hill and up the or about the. Dogs. I don't remember what the theme was. Yeah, this was last was. year, and uh, <laughs> it was a while ago. I should be, everyone should re-listen to that episode <laughs> number sixteen. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned you really like her. Um, her voice, and you're known for having a pretty distinctive singing voice. Yeah. Um, how have you been, well, so you had, like, training in opera singing, is that right? Or yes. You, yeah. Um, that continues to this day. Really, that's what um, I was going to ask, because that's not something mm -hmm. that, like, if it's hard to maintain. You have to keep working huh. at it. When I was younger, I remember up until the age of five, I was pretty outgoing, and then when I started school, I became shy and studious, 
And then when I was about 12, my mom asked if I would like to take voice lessons. Because she took some voice lessons and she thought singing was wonderful. And I was so embarrassed that she even asked me because I was so shy. The idea Mm. of singing horrified me. But then I became obsessed. The the upcoming year from there, I became obsessed with... And and I was a piano player, so I I just like to hide with my piano. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I became obsessed with Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables, listened to those tapes on repeat, and then got the piano book, started playing the piano with those songs. And then when people were outside in the summer, my family members, all of them, I would sing in the house, thinking no one could hear me. But of course, I think my mom must have heard me and asked again if I would take singing lessons. And I said, yes, I think I will. Cool. Um, that's how it started, and then I've never taken, like, I've, I train September to June, summer's off, uh, so that's now, I guess, over 20 years of lessons. Wow. Different teachers over the years. Mm. And so, are you, do you perform this, like, other than the music that we know you from? (laughs) Do Um, you, do you perform singing wise? hmm. I, I used to more in my early 20s. Yeah. yeah. And then I, when once I started doing bands, it's just like that was all consuming. And I didn't I didn't even necessarily. Like I didn't have a way to make classical singing interesting for me yeah. at that time. Um, and I think it's sort of who you meet. I feel like at the time I was interested in doing more experimental opera in Winnipeg. I didn't know anyone and there wasn't anyone on my radar that even was remotely interested in that. Yeah. Now there's all these kids doing the Cluster Music Festival. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard about that. I don't know. Yeah, it's like really far out there approach to new composers and new music. Oh, cool. Um, it, it's like I, I've performed, th- They so they'll do sort of their more sort of, I want to say, like really unconventional, but still within the realm of sort of classical music, you know, a- academic composition sort of performances. And then they'll often have some you know, rock musicians who yeah. are doing interesting alternative things in oh, at that's the right. end. Yeah, yeah. I remember Sounds you, interesting. So yeah, your name came evening. up, I couldn't make it to the yeah. yeah. So um, I played that, but then I, yeah, so I met all these people who were doing this experimental stuff, and yeah. so if I had met them in my mid-twenties, I maybe totally different could have path. been yeah. off doing that and not making Slattern records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... Well, I think that, that your voice is unique because obviously you have that background, and I think that mm-hmm. all the bands you've been in are all fairly different Aside from that, and I think it's like something that, I mean, for me anyway, I had never heard anyone singing with like, you know, I guess you call it rock music, just you know, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, because there's a lot of different subgenres and things in there. But in any of those bands, I'd never heard anyone singing with that style, kind of, with that kind of music. So I think it works really well. But did you ever have any? I mean, obviously Slatter and it's just you, it's different. But with the bands you were in, um, bringing that kind of background to what you were doing, was that ever difficult for other people to kind of get? wrap their heads around or anything like that you worked with or was it pretty much just this is how I sing this is no I I think I've always been lucky I've always played with incredibly talented people who are also really into experimenting and fun yeah I think my biggest challenge has always been myself when I started Slattern this was before the Gorgon I um did all these crazy things with my voice because I was like, I'm a trained singer. Yeah. I won't hurt myself. Mm-hmm. And within a few months, gave myself the beginnings of a vocal node, mm-hmm. which for anyone who doesn't know who's listening is sort of like a blister on your vocal folds. But if you keep doing those things, that blister never heals and it okay. starts to scar. And then you have a gravel voice for the rest of your life. Um, and for lots of singers without training, they just 
like they will it can destroy their career they either yeah. have to have surgery or they have to, have to stop singing for five years so I happened to get it diagnosed pretty quickly and I just sort of um didn't sing and barely talked for a month yeah. and I like literally would not talk around the house I would just like the as I would talk to teach my music lessons which is what I was doing at the time and then I would go home and be quiet mm-hmm. and it must was be hard I mean, as someone who sings a lot, that must be difficult for you to. Yeah. Must be difficult for you well, it was do. very important to me, yeah. and it was. And but I remember there was actually the first right after I was diagnosed, I actually had four days where I didn't have to teach, so I didn't talk at all. And my roommate at the time, we were like writing notes and gesturing, and then one day I accidentally said something, and he was like, ah! yeah. <laughs> "But uh, okay, so that and and I, when I started the Gorgon, I thought I had to sound tougher and less yeah. technical because I was trying to be cool and sing." garage rock so I started trying to sing bad right. but then I realized that and it wasn't until we started to record our first album that I realized that singing bad was just bad singing right. it didn't yeah. make it more cool right. this came up it's recently on a podcast where yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you, if, you have, if you're trained or can sing to try and not sing well it doesn't, doesn't work doesn't no. work yeah no. like yeah I think what, what we, yeah I mean I like a lot of voices that are unconventional and often technically bad but it's not because they're good and they're it's not because they're technically they're skilled their best. and they're yeah. slumming. <laughs> it's because they're the, that's yeah. the best they can do, and it sounds unique. But yeah, someone who actually knows what they're doing, it seems like it would almost come across as forced. I don't know if that's what mm-hmm. you're... It did. And like physically, I was forcing yeah, it because right, right. I thought right. that that's how I could make it sound cool. So it took until that first... Well, oh, right. The Gorgon only had one album. It took yeah. until that, that album to realize that I probably should just sing good. Just go with it, yeah. Um, and that was a very important lesson to learn. I... I just I feel I read something really interesting on the internet today because of course I was in Iceland and I'm obsessed with Iceland and I started like whatever I liked the Reykjavik Grapevine which is this paper they put on Eng- in English in Iceland okay. and I think it's like partly sort of a tourist thing mostly a tourist mm-hmm. thing but it's still really interesting and it's this artist who I whose name I cannot I totally cannot remember um, but he was talking about. He had a real sort of no bullshit attitude to music, and why would you? Why would you make music? Why would you put things out there? And I don't know. I don't read a lot of music journalism, but you know, he he really was just like, if there's like a space, like you should make a record if there's a space where there's something you know you really need to express, right? Or something that you know you hear in your head that you can't hear anywhere else. Like that is the impulse to make a record, and I don't know. That's a pretty universal statement. It's like, I don't know, I'm not going to invest a lot in that, but I've always, like, that resonates a lot with me. I only want to make a record when I feel like I need to make something because no one else has done it, and because I sing in such a strange way, I feel like I can get away with that. Yeah. No one else is singing like this. No, it's true. I can justify making this record. Okay, I I mean, this might go this might elongate this whole section of the podcast, but why were you in Iceland? How did that? <laughs> I mean, you've mentioned oh, a few times, but it yes. just seems like so we should, yeah, what, what's the background after a song? Okay. Is that a long one? Um, yeah, we can always ask you about that later. We can come back to it if you want. Well, I guess you're going to edit this, right? Nope. Oh, you're not going to edit <laughs> this? No, let's tease the Iceland. We'll, we'll talk. We'll, if you want to find out why Julio is in Iceland, stay tuned. Sal, yeah, why don't you play a song? I'm going to play a song. <laughs> we'll talk about Iceland later because I'm actually very interested in why you were in Iceland. Um, because it's not really the place people usually go to to do a video. But I'm going to play a song. Uh, that last song had lots of references to clothes and laundry. The song I'm going to play is has lots of references to clothes, not necessarily dirty ones. But um, usually when I play a song on the show, I'm pretty known for playing older stuff. It's rare for actually any of us really to play kind of more recent songs. 
I tend to stick around, I don't know, late 70s, early 80s kind of era, and 90s, I guess, you know. But anyway, I found something that fits the theme that came out three months ago. So mm -hmm. it's a bit unusual. Um, it's a song called Diamond Socks, so obviously the connection is there. It's by um, a guy called uh, Ibamar and uh, a, producer, a group of producers called Notice, N-O-T-I-S. And uh, the song... How do I explain? Uh, basically, the guy is telling, talking about what he wears, <laughs> and uh, he's wearing diamond socks. He's wearing Wallaby Clark shoes. He's wearing an arrow shirt, which I looked up, and apparently is a type of dre men's dress shirt, and uh, a mesh marina. Do you guys know what a mesh marina is? No. No. Um, mesh marinas, I think, are hilarious. Uh, if, if you've ever seen a 1990s uh, dancehall video, or seen a really bad um, compilation album that's supposed to be very reggae, there'll be a guy wearing a mesh uh, sleeveless shirt. Usually red, gold, and green. You can see through it. Like it's it's a really uh, kind of like a tip stereotypical beachwear kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So you can see you can see the chest through the shirt. It's made of mesh. It's got no sleeves. Marina. It's called a mesh marina. And I didn't know what it was called, but it's um, having a comeback. Like the whole <laughs> the whole like uh, early '90s dancehall <laughs> style in Jamaica is like a lot of artists are kind of going back to that style. And in the music videos, a lot of them are wearing mesh marinas again. Which I mean, like any anyone in the early '90s. Like Bujumat and Beanie Man, Bounty Killer, everybody—they're all wearing mesh marinas, and now all of a sudden, they're all wearing mesh marinas again, and uh, which is hilarious to me. I mean, it's just a weird article of clothing. And uh, I heard this song on the website Large Up, which is one of my favorite websites. It's um, kind of a culture blog from the Caribbean, and uh, it keep, keeps me kind of up on a lot of reggae that I wouldn't otherwise have any any way of hearing here in Winnipeg. So. Mm -hmm. It's good for that, and uh, they did a whole feature on the, the return of the Mesh Marina. So when I first heard the song, I had no idea what Mesh Marina was. I knew it was some kind of clothing article because of how he's talking. But uh, yeah, reading that article about its comeback, it's just a really weird cultural thing that you don't really see here, probably because of the web. But I mean, I, I can't imagine most Winnipeggers wearing one of those. Like, it just seems very unlikely. Hmm. But they're cool again. Uh, so this is uh, Diamond Socks by Ibamar and Notice. <coughs> All right, Witch Police Radio, we are back. Uh, we're with guest Julia Rickman and Sam, what was that? That was, it was uh, Diamond Socks by uh, Agumara and Notice. And yeah, Mesh Marinas, um, I just think it's, uh, the reason I like the song part of it is because he's so extremely specific. I mean, I don't know anything about clothes, you know, I don't even know the brands of clothes I'm wearing, but it's the fact that he's so specific about what he's wearing. It's not just like, you know, a blue shirt or whatever. It's like, the name, brand name of the shirt, the brand name of the shoes. Normally that would annoy me in a song, but for some reason this is, uh, I don't know, I like it, I like it. And uh, yeah, Mesh Marina is like, it's uh, it's such a weird thing. I think it's very culturally specific. I don't know, I can't think of anyone else other than people from the Caribbean who would be wearing those, like, partly because of the weather. Yeah. And, you know, here it wouldn't make sense, but... You get a really weird tan with one of those on. I yeah, you have a bunch of tans. Yeah, you have a Mesh Marina? Yeah. It's a little bit different. It actually has sleeves. Okay. And it's white. Yeah. But the whole body part is big mesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've yeah, never I worn it. I feel like I've seen those in certain, yeah, maybe clubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's, it's, it's a weird thing that... Well, anyway, what, part of the other thing about the song, though, is that um, he, he mentions at the beginning, he's like, old-fashioned, Demma call me. He's talking about, you know, like... A, it, this whole Mesh Marina thing is part of a throwback. seems mm -hmm. to be happening with a lot of dance hall, which is fantastic for me because... Like, a lot of dancehall recently has been extremely um, club-oriented. Very, very auto-tuned, well past the time when auto-tune was cool in, in America, and in, in Canada and stuff. And, like, you know, a few months ago they are using auto-tune still, and here it's kind of mostly gone away, right? And it's, like, really, really just, um, yeah, just kind of crappy, boring, generic dance music 
for the clubs. And there seems to be like a, a throwback thing happening. And I really appreciate it because it's more like the type of stuff that I listen to, the type of older stuff that I listen to. So, I mean, this that, that rhythm was very, very kind of throwbacky. Uh, obviously, the clothing is throwbacky. And uh, some of the other videos that people have done, just to come to mind with the Mesh Marina, there's a uh, Mr. Vegas video where he's wearing a ridiculous Mesh Marina and <laughs> like all these giant gold chains and stuff, <laughs> again, with the throwback stuff. And so whatever is going on in Jamaica where they're kind of looking back at older material and kind of reviving it is makes me happy because... Mm. Yeah, but again, large up uh, the website. I mean, I can't. I don't want to be promoting someone else's website here, but it really is like one of the two or three things that I go to every day hmm. on the internet. Um, because you know, I listen to as has been established on the show, like really ridiculous amounts of reggae. But a lot of it is older, uh, because partially because, excuse me, partially because uh, the time frames I, I've sort of like subgenres I'm really into from certain eras, but also because I don't have access to a lot of newer stuff. I mean, I have the internet, but I don't know what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd never heard of either the producer or the artist on this. And uh, because yeah, it was... Yeah, you need like, an in. Yeah, exactly. Like, unless you I have mean, a friend who knows reggae or something but like that. But most of my friends who are into reggae are the same as me. They're, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're not actually from the Caribbean, and they're, so they don't have the connect. They don't have, like, cousins or whatever sending them the newest stuff. And they kind of have this sort of set eras of older stuff they're into. So it's really cool to have a resource that keeps kind of pointing you to new things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Well, before the, the song there, we... Sort of tease that we'd get into why Julia was in Iceland. Yeah, it's just unusual. Because uh... okay. you mentioned having you shot a video there, but you also yes. kind of said that you went there to shoot a video. So, yep. is that yep accurate? Um, yes. Last summer, I went to Iceland for eighteen days just to travel around. Yeah. Um, and then I went back to school, and it's been a long time since I was in school, and it was a little bit traumatic. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Um, mostly for my identity. <laughs> Being a musician and then going mm. to law school right, does yeah. terrible things to your brain mm. and sense of self. So, but anyway, but the reason I sort of went to law sort of the reason why I went to law school is that my mother really, really thought that that would, she really wanted me to go to law school. And, you know. Well, yes. Okay. But, but I mean, my mother really wanted me to take singing lessons. Right. And, you know, that, that was out. a big success. Yeah. So, you know, she and there's been some other things. So right. she had like a pretty good list going. Um, but you anyway, my mom got sick. Right. Okay. My mom got sick with cancer. And so then I applied to law school. So then I got into law school and then my mom passed away. And I, so I started law school in this place of um, so much grief and just in yeah. general a bad place to be. And uh, so the, comp- the uh, it was like a, a very hard year. And then in January, I started feeling really manic. I stopped crying every day and started feeling manic. And I was like, mm. I have to record these songs for Slattern. I have to do all these things related to my music. And then I was like, oh, I should go shoot a music video in Iceland. And then once <laughs> I thought about it, I couldn't not think about it. Right. And I thought about it every day until I went there. Um, and it was for a song about my mom, okay. about losing her and feeling just that like incredible need to like believe in like magical thinking and to think that maybe she's still around maybe there's still like something of her in this world some energy some ghost some mm. spirit some like mm-hmm. you just like just not wanting to let go and that's what that song is about and and also about cancer and about um my own fears i don't know about fears fates fate decisions about my future where uh, her mother died of cancer, my mom died of oh, cancer, wow. totally different cancers. Yeah. But I'm just like, there's not the greatest track record for me. Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like something that also becomes this reality for me. It's not like maybe I can worry about it and be afraid of it, but, you know, 
I could follow in my mother's footsteps. And in some ways, I kind of would like that because it's like a shared experience of right. like, like if you think about, uh, I don't know, knights or soldiers or like some sort of old fashioned way of romanticizing the world, which yeah, yeah. I'm sure in the moment was not romantic for those people at all. But no, to but just leading be sort up to of it like, was, yeah. if this is fate to just like go, if, if you can't do anything about it, to just like be ready to meet it mm. yeah. and know what to do about it is sort of, anyway, here I am talking and going on and on about this. Not a short story at all. But anyway, so I, I thought, oh, I'll go to Iceland. So then I um, convinced some people to come with me to shoot this video. And we went for another 18 days yeah. um, in June and shot this video, which is about the song that I wrote about losing my mom. Oh, cool. My mom was an Icelandic. The Icelandic part of me comes from my dad's <laughs> so that side. So there's a connection. Okay, but there's some kind but of family connection to Iceland, though? Yeah, there's a family connection, but it's like I just for that video it's just like I needed like for the emotions and for the things I was thinking about in the song it's like it had to be like utter utterly like impossibly beautiful landscape yeah because in this video it's like the the nature and the landscape is a character it's like a force and that's sort of what had to be in that yeah. so that's why cool. I went there that's why I didn't just shoot it in Canada <laughs> no matter how beautiful Canada is yeah. there's something in Iceland that's very different like otherworldly kind of yeah, and very close together. You can. It's a very small place, so you can go into really dramatically different landscapes in a couple hours. Right, whereas here you got to travel for. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, not not. This is totally not related to your story, but um, when I was just uh, talking about mesh marinas there, mm -hmm. I was just looking up the, that article that has the history of them. Actually, they were they were invented in the 1930s in Scandinavia, so the oh. connection to the Caribbean maybe isn't as strong as I thought it was. <laughs> so. <laughs> Perhaps people, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not sure when they would be wearing mesh <laughs> right. but like must have been over top of other clothes or something, or uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, in the 30s. Like it's very strange, but <laughs> I don't know who started the diamond socks. But when is that video uh, going to be viewable? Uh, well, it won't be finished edit edited okay. until maybe November. Um, the the person who's editing it is uh, be traveling for a while, um, so maybe in December, maybe in the new year. Okay, no rush. Mm -hmm. When it's ready. Cool. Well, I look forward to seeing it. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you. Yeah, if people want to see um, other videos that you have, you have, is there? do you have like a page or should they just search for something? Oh, well, I think just like if they, if people search YouTube Slattern Baby Love Hurts, yeah, that's a they'll, good video, see, yeah. they'll see my only other Slattern music video. Yeah. Uh, if they search. Yeah, we haven't even, we, you have other bands we haven't even we've touched even on yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are videos there too. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. I'm going to launch my own Julia Rickman website. Oh, oh it's empty. Good. Uh, shortly. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah? it's ready. It just hasn't gone live just yet. Just with so, like, all of your stuff that you've done? Yeah, kind of like a sort of uh, links to everything I've done. Cool. Uh, as well as things that are not so much straightforward music as more like, you know, like I have my artist CV on there and mm. things like that because I do some other things with music and filmmakers. Well, I, I remember also going, going back to, you know, when you played shows with us all the time. Uh, the posters were always really cool. Mm -hmm. You did a lot of those. Those were mostly done by hand, right? You, you yeah. Were, yeah. Yeah. Ghetto style in my kitchen. Yeah. yeah I still I, have... I still have some of those. Oh, great. Oh, I still have screen printing ink all over my walls. Nice. From taping the posters up and being messy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was kind of a consistent thing, too. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't know how many bands you did those type of posters for, but, I mean, there's a few of them at least, right? Oh, there's a lot. So, And I think it's like, you know, your voice is consistent throughout all those types of bands, even though they're different styles of music. And mm -hmm. same thing with the posters. It's it's kind of a style that's recognizable, which was cool, again, you know, uh, for people who are into one of your projects. Like, oh, hey, this mm -hmm. looks familiar. And then they find out that you're in it. Yeah. And, yeah. For a while, I thought about signing them or having a signature. And then I was like, no, it's more interesting if it's 
people yeah. have to figure it out. And, yeah. and it's cool because it, it was a lot. Of, it was a tremendous amount of work. I would like hand screen print yeah. easily two hundred posters, sometimes with more than one color. And then it's something. Sometimes people I didn't know would come up and be very shy, and they'd be like, "Oh, you know, I collect your posters, yeah. but don't worry, I take them down after the show." So that was that's always really sweet. I feel. I feel funny because in those days when I did those screen printing, like yeah. it was it was very hard to have friends because all I did was have band practice and screen yeah, print yeah, posters bet, yeah. and put them up. Yeah. And I remember once I was trying to date this guy and I was like, Well, okay, we can hang out, but only if you come you put up come posters with yeah, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. it's like I, I just don't think I could do that anymore, but it was a magical time. I, I was always wondering at the time, like I I was thinking, you know, it must be horrible for you to make all of these, put them up, and then like a few days later, someone just rips it out. And... Well, but I got really strategic. I would carry a milk crate, and I would step on the milk crate and put up posters really oh, yeah. freaking high <laughs> yeah. so that people can just take them down. Yeah. Um, I was also obsessive. I would like poster and reposter. It was just part of the game. Like I accepted the rules, and mm. yeah, you know, that's pretty great. Yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, I still have a few of them. So cool. I have the one with the semaphore on it. Yeah, I like yeah. that one. That was a good one. Oh yeah. I, I made a couple of t-shirts. Oh, yeah, didn't I make a t-shirt for your wedding social? Did you? You played at it. You played nope. at the... Oh, no, you played at the other thing. Yeah, yeah. but I made a t-shirt with the semaphore image. Yeah, you did. I think you did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. Yeah. You did say, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it was a long time ago now. It happened. Oh. I remember. Cool. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm going to play a, a quick song here. Sure. Um, I was looking up different songs to play. I didn't have anything that came immediately to mind. Like, <laughs> as I mentioned, I started socks, like, yeah. making kind of ridiculous associations. Yeah. Um, as you do. As I'm want to do, but uh, this one's pretty straightforward. It's in the title. It's a song by The Shadows called "Scotch on the Socks," ah. and there aren't any. Ly- they have some. Sometimes they have lyrics, or there can be singing. There's no lyrics in this. Uh, it's an instrumental. I interpret it to mean you have a couple scotches on the rocks, and pretty soon you, you start spill them. spilling them a little bit, and you get scotch on the socks. Mm-hmm. So let's listen to The Shadows. Cool. Okay, we're back. That was good. That was a peppy little instrumental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It almost sounded like one of those things that, from, I guess, the same kind of era where all of a sudden there'd be instrumental and then all of a sudden everyone would yell something and that would be the <laughs> only yeah. vocal. Yeah. Ba-ba-ba. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of feel it was missing that, but <laughs> that was good. I, I, I see what you, I see how the, the title and your interpretation of the title makes sense with that kind of, you know. Scotch on the socks. Yeah, it's a beat. You're at a party, spilling some scotch on yourself. <laughs> Or do you ever do the thing where you spill it and then you just wipe it up with your sock? Well, that's true, yeah. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe that's what they had Either in mind. Either way. Um, yeah, you could clean, I clean up all sorts of things with my socks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anything that's on the ground, really. Or I kick it under the stove. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, for good. The, that's good. For the time, the time that I'll never clean under there. Yeah. Right. Eventually, maybe. You'll have to, no? No. Stove breaks, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, Get a new stove? Yeah, so that was, a, um, that was the B-side on a single. And I, f- I forget what the A side was. I didn't like it very much. It was no, no it wasn't as good. Um, but yeah, I like kind of that rocky, uh, kind of surfy stuff. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I wish I had more of that. I, I don't have very much stuff like that on uh, on record. No, in records I have, I have like a bunch of ventures stuff. That's really about it. Like for that kind of surfy, and that wasn't even that. That sure wasn't even all that surfy, really. I guess it was. Mm. Like a little bit. I guess. I to hang out at, uh, at JP's more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a pretty, pretty decent collection. Oh, does he ever? Yeah. Uh, and his his uh, girlfriend Kaylee. She had a huge oh, okay. record. I I would say that probably at least half of that's hers. Okay. Yeah, maybe even more than half. Of surf stuff, is that what you're talking about? Oh, all sorts. All How sorts. How is it? Co- 
like how is it categorized? He's got it's, uh, my genre. Yeah, but yeah. the genre is like very specific ones that like I don't have yeah. even anything in. Per <laughs> se. Yeah, definitely. Like one could be called like midnight movies or something. <laughs> like, oh, maybe. No, I just I've made never, that up. But something but like that. Something like that. Well, like yeah, because uh, all his radio shows are done by themes, not mm-hmm. unlike well, this like podcast. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they are really organized, and they keep whenever they're listening to records. If they hear a certain lyric or song, they have a notepad where they write. Oh, cool. They write things. And Meticulous. I feel like yeah. I need to do that for the show because I mean I, I find that a lot of people coming on the show will have a really extensive list of songs because they've they've got one of those computers or iPods or whatever full of oh. music, and they have they just type in like socks or whatever the word is, and it. Bing, there's a bunch of songs. I don't have that. All my stuff is on phys- mostly on physical media, you know, yeah. so if I have to like, dig through a bunch of records and tapes and stuff, and I, I often feel like, you know, I spent like a couple hours trying to do this and someone just in three seconds. So I think I should be taking notes if there's a song that I kind of want to play on here eventually. I should write down a bunch of words <laughs> that connect with it or something. I don't know what to do, but make a spreadsheet. I feel like that if I started that, it would just become really disorganized. You know, like how you write notes, you just have like piles of scraps mm-hmm. of paper. Yeah, it would be that. that. It, would it would be that for sure. Yeah. So then I would yeah. just be going through piles of scraps of paper. It wouldn't save any time. Yeah, I feel really for this, like if something <laughs> comes to mind right away, I just kind of try to stick with it. Because I, I, I know with some themes, I've bombarded you and Rob with ideas. Just like, yeah. you know, song after song after song after song after song. And yeah, I'm sure you guys hate it, but yeah. So I don't check my email. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we mentioned JP, uh, the mm-hmm. group that you most recently played with, This Hisses. Yeah. Um, you guys did some music videos, did you not? We did one. You did one. We okay. did one. Um, I remember. Being I wish shot. we'd done more. I think you're shooting it across from my where I used to live. Were you shooting it at uh, Patrick's house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. His creepy old house. Yeah. I heard some yeah. creepy stories about that house. Yeah. Yeah. Haunted. Yeah. Across from oh, the spaceship house that you lived in? No, no, oh, no, no, no. Okay. The apartment. Okay. Yeah. Um, so is this hisses more or less like, is it on hold? Is it defunct? Is it, what's the status? I think I would use the word on hold, but, but Who knows? could be it. Yeah. And this is terrible because I, th- I feel like I have a reputation <laughs> for letting bands just dissolve. Letting people right. move away. And not doing like the big hurrah mm. show. Ah. Uh. Um, like the Gorgon, it just kind of got to the point where it didn't make sense anymore. And instead of doing a big last show, we just did Yeah, it seemed like kind of fizzled, right? Yeah, and people didn't really even know we weren't a band anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I saw an article in Uptown or Style or something with you in a new band, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess that's, that's what probably happened. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I mean, that's fine, you know, it's like, whatever. But then with this Hisses, it was, it was a little, it was a little more, um, it's a little sadder because I think we could have done a big last show and yeah. we sort of tried to, but it just ended up being a show that wasn't as well publicized. Like we didn't put the energy into publicizing yeah. it well enough and mm. it was a r- super cool show with very few people. So we ended up playing our last hurrah in this beautiful, um, you know, studio space in um, on Princess and the Exchange with like projections on the walls cool. and like really cool. Just it was a really, really yeah, great that's night. Neat space, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Boy, it, was was, like, it wasn't during the psychedelic thing, was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, I was there. That's okay. like festival. That was your last show. That was our last show. Oh, you right. were there. Because I remember you did a big hurrah for the Lasers last show. Like, yeah. That, we played at that. That was, that was yeah. fun. Yeah. That was great. You see, I did it right, and then I never repeated the goodness that yeah. I experienced. I still have that poster, too, actually. <laughs> with your hurrah oh, show. Yeah. With the anchor on it. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess it's hard, because that band, we we're all friends. Right. So it's like, when the ending was going to happen, it was like... Well, we're all friends, but yeah. with the other with other bands, it sort of was energies dissolved, and right. then you can't fake that. Right. You can't, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, a lot of big bands seem to do it. <laughs> like, yeah, fake it for like, the money, right? Two or three years yeah. after they've yeah. finished, but well, when there's no money involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When there's not, yeah. Then it just seems wrong. Mm. But uh, yeah, so we'll see. We tried. JP and I tried actually uh, getting a new guitar player. Okay. But. That was just too weird for me. Like, I honestly, the first jam we had with this this guitar player, I just, like, I couldn't even jam with him because, like, I just, I don't know, like, Pat's irreplaceable. And yeah, it's, it's like, easier just starting from something different almost yeah. than trying to... Well, we weren't, we weren't, we were going to just start sort of a new sound, but yeah. it's just, like, I just was so shy, and I just, like, Pat just, like, like, I just fucking love that guy. Yeah. Um, and just wasn't ready to move on like just like a relationship just yeah, yeah. my heart was broken and I wasn't ready to yeah. love another I think also with the three piece though right I mean you know you, that the band had a very distinct sound too yeah. and each member of the band contributed something pretty specific to that so I think it'll yeah. be a lot harder to, I mean if you're in a band with 10 people which I have been in the past like you know replacing the second sax player you have is not a big deal but like in the mouth boat we couldn't have replaced anyone I don't think I mean we did one show with Rob filling in for John when he was away and it went okay but it wasn't you know, it w- like if John had left permanently, we wouldn't have replaced him with Raw. It wouldn't have worked. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so, Pat, Pat is a very dis- I like. I really like his guitar. Yeah, for sure, style. he's very distinct, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. it, and it worked super well with that band. So yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, I was ready to move on to other things. I was as much as I loved everything about this hisses and still love it. Yeah. musically, I needed to move somewhere that was less loud and less aggressive. And like I don't, I don't think that Pat and I could have gone there together. Right. And you know he wanted to move to Toronto, so that, you know that made sense. And but I just, I don't, you know, like as the kind of vocalist that I am, I was just finding it very hard to be writing with such loud guitar parts. Like that's that's the sort yeah. of beauty and the tension. But it also was something that I could no longer do. Mm. And emotionally, I mean, and but I mean, like the absolute honest reason why that band broke up is that my mom died, and I just couldn't handle anything in my life really like anything outside of taking care of myself I couldn't handle so like I had to let that band go because I kept that band together like whatever sort of happened it's like I always had the energy to make it work Mm -hmm. and then I had no energy and had to just like let it all go because that's just the truth of the matter and Mm -hmm. um and then also it's like my mom's death has chained me and so it's like I want to make different kinds of music with different sounds um and so coming back to my solo project has been really important. Yeah. And also, I've still been doing work with Rob Villar. I was going to ask him way back. What yeah, do you yeah, think yeah. Rob Villar is up to right now? Um. Well, okay, what sports games are on right now on television? I don't, I don't know. Do you, mean, you mean like this minute, right? Yeah, as, um, we, as we speak. Well, <laughs> I would say 10 o'clock that he could very well be watching some sort of late night sports event. Yeah. Or listening to music. Okay. I think that's what a lot of people are doing at this hour of the night. Yeah. <laughs> well, sports mm-hmm. event, though. That's pretty... So he's, he's into his Super sports. into sports. Yeah. He watched all the, like, NHL drafting and... Holy shit. So like FIFA. Oh, okay. I followed the NHL draft very clo- unnecessarily closely. I bought, <laughs> I bought all the <laughs> yeah. magazines, like, predicting the... Yeah, really? Yeah, sure did. Side of Sam. I can't wait. They, it's like with the... As soon as hockey season starts, it's, like, the best... Oh, yeah, you are... Yeah, you are pretty into hockey. Yeah. I like hockey, but I don't... I don't like like hockey. Yeah, I actually was considering going, like, taking my lunch break and going down to the uh, Iceplex to watch the, the development camp. I didn't. Uh, I didn't, but I was considering it. But that's not, for, this is a different show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into another song. Yeah, do you have something else you want to sure. do? Sure. Okay, so this was, like, really stretching it. I also just brought random things I liked in case I just so freaked yeah, out. Yeah, some honorable mentions. Okay, yeah. this is, like, a really far stretch. 
I feel bad that I didn't work harder to get a sock theme. I'm sure you could have just something. you could have faked it and just told us like it was a you know we don't know what's first. Okay, but. well, there's a lot of songs on that I like this. I like on this album. This is Quintron, Too Thirsty for Love. Do you guys know Quintron? The name sounds really familiar. Okay. I don't know. So Quint, do you want to hear the story now or after yeah, the song? Yeah, please. Let's hear it okay. first. Hear first. Yeah. Okay. Let's listen to track number two, Waterfall. So, Julia, how does that relate to the theme of the show? <laughs> Sock. Well, guys, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Okay, so this is more like super freedom freedom association with the term sock. Um, Quintron and Miss Pussycat, I met them when they played in Winnipeg, and I actually went down to play with them in uh, where they live in New Orleans. Oh, cool. At this bar, um, this sort of underground bar. And the, the way that sock plays into this is that um, uh, Quintron's wife is named Miss Pussycat. And she does these puppet shows in bar venues. And I'd heard, read yes. about her years and years and years before I ever even like knew about the music part. Hmm. Um, because I was really into puppets and I subscribed to the Puppeteers of America journal. Holy shit. Wow. And there was an article <laughs> about <laughs> that's her. That's really important. So when I met them and I was like, wait a minute, that's the person I read about. Yeah. And I like said, I know, like I read that article like six years ago or yeah. three years. So I think I really impressed them with my extensive puppet uh, knowledge. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That would so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when I went there, they actually let me stay with them. And this was um, post-Hurricane Katrina. Uh, they lived in a, sh- a shotgun-style house. And it was sort of like almost like a duplex that they had. So one half was their living quarters. Okay. And the other half was Miss Pussycat's puppet studio. Oh, cool. Hmm. And so well, it was really cool, but it was also really creepy. Because there was full puppets. Like literally a room wall-to-wall covered in puppets. And her puppets are quite large. And they I don't know if they're made out of socks. Okay. But here's where the sock comes in. When I was sleeping... I had this really weird sensation of like someone drawing a spiral on the bottom of my foot and I think I was wearing a sock and it freaked me out because I was like, oh my God, it's a puppet. Yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> like, yeah. But then of course, I don't think it was a puppet. Did it you was... sleep on the puppet side or the living quarters side? I slept the... on the puppet side. Oh, oh wow. man. Yeah. That does sound very freaky. So, okay, just rewind a little bit here. Like way back <laughs> when you were really into puppets, how, what is, like, how did that, <laughs> I don't think I've heard anyone oh. say that ever. <laughs> okay. Well, this is another example of me being ahead of the times in Winnipeg because Is pup- I was, a thing now? No, it's kind of over, but there was like okay. a wave of puppet collective that happened. Really? Here huh. and they were doing things like bringing in Jim Henson's daughter. Oh Heather yeah, Henson. that's right. I heard about that. Yeah, like yeah. this is a big deal. Now, yeah. if that had happened when I was really into puppets, maybe I would be a puppeteer and not in law school. <laughs> or but, music. Yeah. Or well, well part, yeah, still it sounds music. like you still did. Yeah. But but actually, I gave up puppet puppet making when I started playing rock and roll. Okay. So there's this few year block. I was obsessed when I was a kid too. Actually, ever since I was a kid, I was obsessed with the the marionette maker Ronnie Burkett. He's okay. a Canadian. Um, playwright who does all his plays with these elaborate marionettes and they're absolutely emotional and dramatic mm. and beautiful um, and difficult. He deals with difficult subject matter like yeah. death and AIDS and all sorts of things. Anyway, um, so I was really into making puppets and I was looking into doing my master's degree in puppet- puppetry at, really? in the University of Connecticut and I was like really seriously thinking that that's what I needed to do with the rest of my life. And I started teaching puppetry classes and doing all this stuff. And then I just was suddenly, one day, I was like, puppets are so creepy. (laughs) I can't do this. So you hadn't considered them creepy up until then? It just hit? It just dawned on you. It just hit me one day. 
with my stack of puppet magazines and puppet <laughs> books and yeah. puppet supplies. And I started, I think the problem was I started putting human hair on, on puppets I was okay. making. Because, like, you know, whatever, you, you cut your hair, you have some hair, why not use what it? What you need to do with it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that I think was like the line that I crossed that I should never have crossed. It's like voodoo, doll, voodoo doll zone, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's all behind me now. Oh, except that I have this really elaborate plan to make a shadow puppet video for Slatter. Oh, well. I was gonna say like, yeah, it seems like you could combine very the two good fodder for, sure. for like a very yeah. cool video. Yeah. So puppets. that's what I'm supposed to be working on this summer. Oh yeah. Instead of watching Netflix. But Netflix is so easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> so easy. Yeah. So do you still have, so you, you're making puppets, and do you still have these then? You They're locked have. away in okay. a trunk in my basement with lots of music gear stacked on top so, so they can't escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a good fallback, right? If music doesn't work out or <laughs> yeah. law school doesn't work out, you know, you can always yeah. go back to puppetry. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. So do you still have, I mean... <laughs> I almost wanted to just talk about this. For yeah, fascinating. Well, <laughs> yes, like, um, it's an interesting art, and I feel like... I don't know anything about it. I have, I've only seen very little, uh, but I. I have kids, so I watch a lot of puppets. Great appreciation for, for the craft of it. Not only making them, mm -hmm. but also making them come alive. So is this something yeah. that you're still sort of, keep an eye on? Okay, so I have to tell you about something that happened this summer. Um, I've always been into gardening, and then suddenly I decided, and it may be from being in Iceland because they're really obsessed with Hulu folk, which are the hidden people. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah they and have to talk about that in Gimli all the time when you have the Icelandic festival. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's just this culture of like this belief in these people who are like, like they look like people, but they live in rocks. And they're, they're little, right? Are they no, little or no? They're not. No, they're they're like regular sized okay, people. Okay, I didn't know that. I just I think um, I saw the dolls maybe, but. Yeah, well, I think that like sometimes there's representations of them being more elf-like. Okay. But then there's also stories where they're just like humans. But they, they legit believe in them there, right? It's like a. It's well, that's the big thing is that like some people say yes, and they actually have laws protecting. Okay. Protecting Huldu folk. As a cultural homes. kind of. Oh wow. Like they they won't destroy certain rock formations to make a highway if people can say that that the Huldu folk live there. Um, so, but it's kind of like one of those things where okay, like people. They, they won't really say they don't believe, but they maybe wouldn't say they believe. Mm -hmm. right. But either way, they're not going to talk about it to me, the tourists. Of course not, no, no. They're just going to tell you what the, 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 the company line or whatever, yeah, 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 party line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they do tell me on their traditional Icelandic day they eat sheep's balls and get really drunk and swear, but they weren't going to talk about the hula folk. Huh. So you have to be an insider to... That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. But I'm going to start learning Icelandic, and then maybe one day. So anyway, so I think that all this Hulu folk was, like, getting into my brain. And I was, like, working in my garden this year. And then I was, like, suddenly obsessed with um, little garden gnomes. Like, not big ones, but little ones. Okay. So then I started being obsessed with finding little things in thrift stores that could be the possessions of the dwarf. And then I started thinking that I would like to build a house for my dwarf. Okay. Not a, a dwarf. A gnome. Like yeah. a dollhouse kind gnome. of style? Like a... Well, I was looking up how to build, like, pretty legitimate stone houses. Oh, wow. So this is where the line is bringing me back into puppetry, is I want to spend my time building stone houses for, for my gnome. Yeah. The, the invisible gnome. and his Yeah, well, it's kind of visible. It's like that. But then I was yeah. kind of like, but you could. You could actually get rid of the sort of fake gnome and just be building the, the shelters. Yeah. And then I was thinking about this pup, shadow puppetry video I want to make. Um, so it's all kind of coming back at me right now. So when you least expect a puppetry, puppetry rears his head, yeah? Well, it's when there's a vacancy, right? Right. So it's right. like I suddenly am not having band practice every night, so I'm thinking about gnomes and puppets. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to say about puppets, though, is, um, like, I have two kids, you know, I mean, I see a lot of children's television, and puppets, shows with puppets, 
older shows, newer shows, whatever, versus shows with you know computer generated cartoons. Mm. There's no conne- no comparison. The puppet, the Muppets, right. and that kind of stuff is just yeah. like infinitely better. I mean, I can't even some of this like, crap that you know it comes out now, and it's uh, the graphics are fantastic and everything, but it's it's not. There's no like emotional resonance that you get. I know that sounds silly talking about kids shows because a lot of them are just like, hey, look at this colors, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> But I find that some of the stuff with the puppets, especially like uh, the Jim Henson stuff, it, it's incredible mm-hmm. how actually you know, like moving some of the, some of the content is, and how yeah, it's. I mean, I, I I've never considered it, I was into puppets or anything like in a way other than just appreciating it on, on TV. But I think that especially for kids, puppets are a really good way to, to teach them stuff because mm-hmm. it's it's different. It's like it's because it, a cartoon is not. I mean, I don't know if we should even be talking about this right now because we have a, a theme, but <laughs> like a cartoon is one thing, and you know, it's obviously not real because it's a cartoon, and the laws are pretty much, you know, whatever you want, you want to happen can happen in a cartoon, but puppets are not real and real at the same time because it's, you know, it's live action. Yeah, it's like they've broken through a barrier. Yeah, it's like its own... Made the unreal, like, yeah, tangible. Yeah, yeah which is... And, and often in kids' shows, especially something like Sesame Street or The Muppet Show or any of that... I mean, The Muppet Show arguably isn't a kid's show, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, Sesame Street is a good example. Uh, the, the puppets are always interacting with real people. So it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like a weird alternate universe. And there's, no one questions that the puppets are puppets. Yeah. Like, I love, uh, yeah, I love that. Like, yeah, no person who's on there is, like, breaking down a wall or anything. They're just, like, yeah. interacting with whoever. Yeah. yeah, it's not like, oh, hey, Grover, you're a blue monster. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? It's just like, <laughs> oh, hey, Grover, how's it going? You want to go down and get some chips? Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. I like, um, uh, which police recommended documentary, which you've probably seen, Beauty is Embarrassing? No, I haven't seen that. It's about the guy who uh, he worked on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Did the puppeteering on that? Oh. Fantastic! Oh. Yeah, really cool, really good one. I just watched it a couple weeks ago, I think. I saw that documentary um, about uh, Kevin Clash, uh, the Elmo puppeteer. Oh, really? Which came out before all of the allegations the against him, which were all dismissed apparently recently. Like okay. all of his. Uh, I didn't know there's a documentary but, about. Uh, yeah, there's a documentary about him. It was really, it was a really fascinating documentary because I mean, you know, like he's a very unlikely puppeteer. I mean, you know, like his 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 story is not what you expect, you know, and. Uh, and yeah, and then I saw the documentary. I was like, "Oh, this is a great documentary." I'm, really, you know, because I've seen a lot of Sesame Street lately, <laughs> and, uh, and I was telling everyone about it. Then, I, then like a few weeks later, all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh, maybe oh, I, I should be yeah. <laughs> recommending this to anybody." But right. yeah, yeah. So uh, okay, well, we have two more songs to go. Sam, yeah. did you have, do you want to go next? Yeah, um, I do. Uh, I guess we were talking about people watching lots of sports earlier, and um, as we mentioned, I watch a lot of hockey. That's really about it, though. I, I mean, I watch soccer sometimes uh, when I can. Um, I have no interest in football, and I especially have no interest in baseball. It's probably the most boring sport to me. I, I mean, especially on TV because they have two camera angles, and it's just the same thing over and over again. And there's, unlike the sports that I like, there's no time limit. Baseball just kind of goes on until a certain amount of outs or whatever happen. I barely understand the rules. Uh, but when I was thinking of socks, there's a couple baseball teams that have socks, S-O-X, in the names. So I thought, okay, well, maybe there's some kind of connection that I can make to this. Um not really knowing that many baseball songs because I'm not into it, I was just uh, I was thinking one of them's from Boston, and then I remembered that a band from Boston that talks about baseball and other very stereotypically Boston things is the Dropkick Murphys, who uh, I used to listen to. I haven't listened to them recently in quite a long time, but you know when I was a teenager, I was really into them. The first two albums they put out, and I've seen them live a couple times. Once back then, and once maybe ten years ago. Um, in very different circumstances, which I can talk about after we listen to the song, because it's just kind of an interesting story. Uh, but they have a, they apparently, um, with the Boston Red Sox, are at, they play at the games a lot. Like 
they play their songs at the games and they actually physically play at the games. Like they, they do the anthem sometimes. There's lots of time um, like in between innings for things to happen. Right, right, right. Too. I mean, and then they're yeah. very, very Boston centric band. They're very kind of, uh, you know, good old America. You know, we're all uh, like gangs all here kind of kind of vibe. So and they're kind of, they've kind of risen in popular stature over the last few years. You know, last few decades or whatever. So it makes sense that they're playing in baseball. Apparently, they recorded um, a kind of punk, you know, like their Irish punk thing they do, version of uh, some old Red Sox song that's been around since the 20s or something. Uh, I'm not going to play that because I didn't really like it very much when I listened to it. <laughs> but uh, they have a song called uh, I'm Shipping Up to Boston, which was prominently used in the movie The Departed, mm, the okay. Scorsese movie. Right at the beginning, it's in the opening credits. And it's appeared, like, all over the place. Um, apparently, it's originally lyrics are written by Woody Guthrie. And they just added their own kind of punk music to it. And uh, this, the song makes no sense. It's like a very, very simple lyric about some guy uh, who's a sailor. He loses his wooden leg and he needs to go back to Boston to find it. Shipping up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. Um, yeah, Sailor, Wooden Leg. I have no idea what the point of the lyrics is. Apparently it was written by Woody Guthrie, which is weird because, I don't know, he seems a lot more uh, eloquent than I lost my leg. <laughs> I need to go to Boston. Yeah, maybe it's all in the tone. Could be. I'm not sure about the original. I don't even know if it was originally recorded by him. It's uh, From what I could read about this, it was just they took his lyrics that he'd written and put their own music to them. But, uh, John, like you were saying while we were listening, that's very obviously Dropkick Murphys right from the first couple mm-hmm. notes. I mean, it's, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of other bands now do that kind of style. That whole Irish punk thing is, seems to like be its own subgenre now, which is weird. I mean, I thought, I remember when I first heard these guys, I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, I know other people have done it before them, like the Pogues and stuff, right? But I mean, I can't imagine going to a, a show and having like, not just one band play a bunch of songs like that, of, but yeah. like three in a row. Have you seen, have you seen the Rocking Refuse live though? Oh, maybe, well, maybe. Because I went to one show they played here at the Rendezvous. Yeah, and, that would have uh, been around the time. And they yeah. played with the Dwarves, who were amazing. Yeah. Uh, with the Distillers when they were touring for the first album, which was really good. Still, I still have that album. It's great. And Bouncing Souls, who I can kind of give or take. But um, and Rocky Murphys, and they were the headliner. And I remember uh, what ended up happening was uh, I don't, this is maybe '97, I'm gonna say, is that uh, they got stopped at the border, so they were delayed. So people were kind of pissed off. It was a full, you know, full rendezvous, so a lot of people, and uh, people were pissed off waiting. Some kind of altercation happened between the bouncers and some of the kids in the crowd. I think the bouncers were kind of, you know, a little rough with them or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, a huge, huge group of cops showed up and uh, basically shut the show down. And so, of course, everyone, you know, mostly being teenage punks is not very happy with this. So there's more kind of yelling back and forth with the cops. Eventually, everyone just sits down and refuses to leave. And it was just this really long, drawn-out thing. And eventually, the guy from the Dropkick Murphys came on stage and he said, hey, we're here. We're sorry we're stuck at the border, but, like, they're make the cops are shutting us down. We can't like we're, we came here to play the show and we, they're not letting us play. Every other band had already played their sets except for these guys. So they ended up playing an acoustic set with the bagpipes and the tin whistles and all that stuff in the parking lot, which was oh. awesome. So everyone was just like hundreds of people in a circle around them in the parking lot, and they just did a whole acoustic set. 
So I mean, for this kind of music, is very very heavy on the sing along, uh, yeah, sing along yeah. ability yeah. of it. So I, I was I was probably better than the actual show would have been. <laughs> so mm-hmm. for the people who stayed, but I, I there there was some kind of unreasonable number of cop cars. Like I remember reading or seeing on the news the next day or something. It was like I don't know what the number was, but it was a percentage of police force that was just very yeah. very high. Like and, and there was no there was a couple kids and some bouncers. That was it. There was no. But I guess they thought punk show. Aggressive mm-hmm. kids. We they they had the canine units there and everything. It was it was ridiculous. Wow. So, so that was the first time I saw them, and uh, it was really great because you know the acoustic show uh, ended up being awesome, uh, and I was really into them at the time because I was fifteen or whatever. And the second time I saw them was about ten years ago in Minneapolis uh, at the Warp Tour, and uh, we were there for a bunch of other reasons, and it was like, oh hey, Dropping Murphys are playing. Let's go to that stage and see them, and it seemed like uh, you know before they played. The crowd was just the usual mix of people you'd see at a punk show, you know, people with Mohawks, people without whatever, just a random punk crowd. And as soon as they showed up on stage, all of a sudden everyone's wearing green. <laughs> it seems like people must have had like Irish shit underneath their shirts or whatever, and they just, yeah, they just rip it off, and everyone's singing along. And it was just, it was bizarre because I, there was no indication that this was a Dropkick Murphy's crowd. It was just a, the same crowd that had been there for whatever yeah. whatever generic punk band played beforehand. And like they, they, they're really good live, and uh, it's not really my type of music that I'm into most of the time, but I think I would. Given the opportunity, I don't know if I'd spend a lot of money to see them live, but if I happened to be somewhere they were playing, I would yeah. probably, I mean, because of the nature of it, it's everyone knows the words, even if you have never heard it before, it's, it's pretty easy to pick up on. And when you have hundreds of people kind of chanting it's along. It's got to be fun for them. Oh, for yeah. sure, because they don't have to say anything. I mean, they just basically <laughs> hold the mic up. But, yeah. I mean, I even at that point, I hadn't listened to them in, in a while. I mean, I kind of listened to them around 98, 99, 97, I guess, whatever the show was, when I was really into them. And this was, you know, maybe almost a decade later and I knew all the words of the songs and I'm like how am I how do I know how do I know this so yeah I mean I have uh, I haven't heard anything since their first two albums and they they probably have eight or nine by now so I, I can't comment I mean this, this is one of the newer songs but I can't comment on the quality of their records but uh, yeah I mean it's one of those bands that I think I like and probably would like but uh, you know yeah good band Boston socks baseball socks yeah <laughs> Speaking of which, I forgot. To, I'm not wearing socks. You're not wearing socks, no. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Seems like you would almost like on purpose be wearing socks because you knew the theme was socks. Yeah, bring out my best socks. Yeah, we should take I some pictures of your scotch. feet. In the... Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this has been episode 84 of yeah, Witch Police Radio. If you uh, want to check out any of the other episodes, you can go to witchpolice.com. There's a podcast link, there's a bunch of episodes, a bunch of themes, a bunch of guests. Yeah, it's all there for free download and streaming. And you can also hear us on Monday nights at 11 o'clock on uh, 101.5 UMFM. And we're getting with the technological times. You can find bit. us on Facebook. Yep, Facebook slash Witch Police Radio. You can find us on Twitter at Witch Police FM. Uh, we're on Instagram now. I think you just look up Witch Police Radio. I'm not sure what they... Are there things going on with Instagram? Yeah, I usually post some pictures from when we do the shows and, and the you know the cover images and all that stuff. And then uh, we have a SoundCloud page that kind of occasionally gets updated. It's basically uh, it, on some of the episodes. If there's a really interesting story that we've uh, you know we've kind of flagged, we just kind of take a clip out. Yeah, Maybe the puppetry story on this one will end yeah. up on SoundCloud. But um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm sure there's other places you can find us. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, which is an app for listening to podcasts. Um, and on the actual radio, every which I already said. Did you? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> and our guest has been Julia Rickman uh, of Slattern. Of Slattern. And presently, Triumpho de Gato. Oh, so oh, right, this is yeah, a, yeah. Oh, we well, we didn't even talk about no, that. No. Another time. That's what. Yeah, because yeah, right, I know you mentioned years ago 
and I was always like hopeful and waiting and I don't and I don't think I've ever heard anything so stay tuned listeners um, <laughs> and you can find a this hisses video out there if you want to check that and out the slider video a slider video and the records right I mean where can people get I mean this is two albums right mm. they're around yeah they're in record stores across Canada as well as the good old into the music and music trader in Winnipeg. Cool. Cool. Is there any where people can find? I mean, do you have digital versions of them for the the, the young yeah, youths who are Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yes. Cool. What's the What's the? Also, there's all sorts of Russian music sites that let you download things for free. Are you encouraging that? Well, it exists. Da da da. Lasers albums. They're all available Seriously? in the Russian. Oh, really? In the Russian. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Help so yourself, John. Okay. <laughs> John's like looking up front. I'm, I'm writing down. <laughs> yeah. Talk to Russians. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Excellent. Okay, well, uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to close it with a track that um, I just found, Care of the Internet. Okay. Uh, this is a song from the 40s by Louis Jordan called Your Socks Don't Match. Um, Bing Crosby is doing vocals on this as well. Wow, that's awesome. Cool. But um, Louis Jordan was like, he was like a band leader guy and was really popular, I think, in the 40s. Yeah, the name rings a bell for sure. And I think... Not that I was there in the 40s to remember him, but... Yeah, but a bit distinctive because... He was not only the band leader, but he would sing a lot, which mm. wasn't very common. And I think that gave him a lot of rights to his own stuff instead oh, of, yeah. like, just playing a lot of covers or whatever. Um, which is probably what most of them did, the standards and stuff, yeah? Yeah. Uh, so he enjoyed some popularity. And I wasn't real. I don't think I'd heard his name uh, his name before this. But, um, yeah, we'll close out with some, some Louis Jordan. Your socks don't match. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming, yeah. Thank you. a chick just the other day cooling out her boyfriend in every way she kept on quonking